Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. This is Chris. I'm here with Justin, and we are back for another week of heavy metal discussion. And uh, this week we have uh, chosen Stradivarius's 1995 release, Fourth Dimension. I think this is going to definitely bring up a lot of of good, uh, a lot of good discussion points. What do you think? Yeah, this is this is one I knew we would get to. Um, I, I think it's a really interesting choice, especially coming off of last week. Uh, where, where I, I don't think I hit a home run, at least for you, with my, my, my thrash metal choice. But just going back to last week for a second, you know, we, we had a lot of positive feedback with uh, Anthrax's Among the Living. And I thought I would, as a homework assignment, make you listen to Sound of White Noise, which was a, an album that came out about six years after Among the Living and has a really different feel um, for Anthrax. So I have a couple of things I want to get to. But before I do, did you get to listen to Sound of White Noise? I did. I listened to it uh, today, actually. And um, I mean, I don't know. I'm no anthrax expert, but it was to me, it was it was like listening to a a different band. Um, Having John Bush on vocals like made such a a difference to me because I enjoy his his vocals so much. And um, and just the production was crisper and and there was it was a little bit more melodic than Among the Living. Um, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit more. Um, and I'm glad that you, uh, suggested giving it a shot. So I don't have to throw the entire anthrax discography into the trash after <laughs> last week. You know, it's funny. I, 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 I know it's not for everyone. I think the diehard thrash fans, and I don't think I'm a diehard, but I, I do enjoy the genre and I'm actually going to mention a new thrash band I heard, um, in a little bit, but, um, there's something about that classic sound, which I enjoy, but I, I, I agree that sound of white noise is definitely a more mature effort really some of the songs don't even border on thrash i think that um you know even you had commented offline that uh, one of the songs reminded you of something that alice in chains would do so they, they really kind of dipped their toes into other pools with that release um and 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 since then they've actually come back back full circle as their as their newest releases kind of back to that old thrashy style that um you know the the, the diehards are used to but I think that this is more of a representative album that's more of like an armored saint or more of like a classic metal disc than it is just like a, a, a you know, a all out thrash album. So I, I had a feeling you might like it. So I appreciate you taking a listen to that. Um, but speaking of thrash, there was, there's another band that I want to mention. I, I heard something this week that actually blew me away. Um, there's a band out of South Africa called Mind Assault. They're a thrash metal band. They, they started in about 2004. They don't have many releases to their name. But earlier this uh, month, they came out with an album called The Cult of Conflict. And it was a 12-track thrash metal album with superb production uh, which kind of lent itself right right away. I was I was I, I kind of noted how the production I thought was just fantastic. The songs themselves are just really really catchy, catchy, you know, uh, riff driven um, thrash with fantastic solos. And although the vocalist is pretty much doing death metals the whole time, it is really well done. And I, I, I highly recommend that to uh, anyone that enjoys some some good old fashioned thrash. And also, I, I think I'd be remiss not to mention the new Secret Sphere album. We, we've mentioned them before on the show, and I think that we probably should do a deep dive one of these days. But if you haven't heard Lifeblood yet, you are missing out. They hit a home run with this disc. And what's interesting to me um, is that they, they kind, they're kind of all over the map with, with the way they recorded it. And by that, I mean you have some of those classic power metal sounds that they used to be famous for, you know, back in the 
early 2000s. And then a lot of other tracks that are more of like melodic metal, almost like, you know, typical frontier stuff in, in a way. Um, so every song is a little bit different than the last, but somehow it all works. And Roberto Messina's vocals, which um, I, I always loved, uh, they're, they're better than ever. So I really, really um, can't recommend this album enough. And I think it's going to find its way pretty high on my top 50 list when the when the year is all said and done. Yeah, it's definitely on my uh, to listen to list. I definitely heard a couple of the singles that were released in advance of the album, and I enjoyed them quite a bit. Um, so this is their uh, first album that they made since um, Michelle Lupi left the band as their vocalist, and, and they brought back uh, Roberto to take his place back uh, in the band. He had sung on every Secret Sphere album up until... Um, up until Loopy uh, replaced him. I think Loopy sang with them for two albums and then uh, now he's back. So yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how things come full circle. And, and, and this disc is just uh, like I said, it's a real testament to kind of the so- Aldo songwriting, who's obviously got his hands in a lot of different projects, but also um, like I said, just, just different genres that they kind of seamlessly blend together. It's really a really, really solid disc. And I, I, I highly recommend that. Um, did anything catch your ear this week? Uh, actually, speaking of Italian bands, um, I got to finally listen to uh, Temperance's new album, Melodies of Green and Blue, which is an all-acoustic album. Uh, they, they recorded two new songs and uh, six acoustic versions of uh, songs from their most recent full-length album, Viridian. And uh, I got to listen to it today. I, I enjoyed it a lot. It was... Um, it was just kind of a mellow listen, which fit well. It was kind of a, drear, a dreary day here weather-wise, so um, kind of fit the mood. Uh, just just real good stuff, and I really enjoyed the, um, the, the different renditions of the songs that I came to really enjoy. Um, the Viridian album was, uh, I believe it was on both of our lists for Best of 2020, so there's some, some good, uh, you know, acoustic versions of songs from that. And the two new songs are quite good as well. So yeah, they, I, they do a nice job with the arrangements on this. Um, it, I, I had listened to it. It didn't grab me a ton when I first heard it. Um, but I actually listened to it again today on your recommendation. And I, I enjoyed it a lot more the second time through. So uh, props to that. Yes. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the um, acoustic version of start another round. Cause it, it's, it's such a, like a, an upbeat song, the original and the acoustic version of it is kind of a fun upbeat uh, acoustic version of it. So um, I definitely recommend uh, giving that a listen, especially if you're into uh, acoustic style music. Nice. Um, and uh, with that, let's, let's get to uh, the, 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 the headliner for the day. Stradivarius's fourth dimension, which was your recommendation um, for, for a lot of reasons, I'm sure. So I uh, might as well dive right in with, with uh, you know, why don't you tell everyone this, this wasn't the first Stradivarius disc you heard or, or was it? You know, it's, it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly which one I heard start to finish. It, it, it was either this or visions. Like, and I can't remember which, um, you know, we always, I always go back to that, that first mixtape that our friend Ralph made for me that kind of started this whole, you know, journey for me. And, um, on that mixtape, there was, um, one song from visions, and one song from fourth dimension and it was black diamond from visions and, and distant skies from fourth dimension. So naturally I ended up with a Sophie's choice situation figure, you know, what, what's going to be my first Stradivarius album 
based on one of those two songs. Um, and I want to, you know, it, it must, it was probably very close to one another and same with episode. I don't think destiny had been released. So like, no, it definitely hadn't. It yeah. Definitely so those, had. those three albums were the ones that I was looking to, to grab onto right, you know, right away before the diving back into the earlier albums, which we'll talk about. And there was nothing beyond visions at the time. Um, I don't, I, I, I might have, this might've been one of those things where I went to the wall at the uh, Lake success shopping center and like printed out, like looked it up on the computer, printed it out and handed it to the, you know, the cashier and they would order you the disc. So long as it was available domestically, um, they would order the disc. And, and I guess uh, noise records had put out, some of Stradivarius's albums. Um, so I don't remember if I had visions or not yet, but um, I almost want to say visions was the first one that I had. And then I got fourth dimension, but I was super stoked to get this album. And um, I think I had borrowed Ralph's copy of the CD also um, at some point. So like I was familiar with, you know, against the wind and, and I, I do have a story I'll go into later on about, um, what made me decide that I had to get this album, um, which was actually a, a trip that involved uh, our friend Mike Crea, um, the uh, White Shadow uh, World Warrior <laughs> Thousand. I, I don't know. There's too many nicknames to name, but um, Mike Venus. Uh, that's That was, I, I just remember um, just like the those two songs uh, like of all those bands that were on that mixtape like Stradivarius was one of the ones that really stood out just because yeah. of how uh how uh, just how like virtue uh, virtu- virtuistic i don't know what the word virtuos- virtuosity uh, destrucity <laughs> i don't know the word exactly but um just that that neoclassical style mixed with the power metal um i mean like hearing that song just i remember hearing black diamond for the first time and just being completely floored um and so uh, the reason that i chose this was because first of all it um the band had uh posted to social media last week uh just shining a light on the fact that it uh was released 26 years ago but um I thought it was a good choice for our first Stradivarius album, just because I feel like it represented a, a, an important kind of turning point in the band's history. Um, and so, uh, I mean, as much as, and I'm sure we will talk about, you know, classic albums like episode and, and uh, visions and, and destiny and whatever else. Uh, I thought this one was a really interesting choice just because of, of the point in history, the band uh, was at, at that point. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I just want to just give a little background as to how I first kind of heard the band. Um, th- there were certain uh, points in my life where I heard certain music and it had like a profound impact on me. 
I remember the first time I heard Guns N' Roses was in around 1990, and I was in my friend's dad's car. I was all of seven or eight years old, and he was playing Appetite for Destruction. And I remember listening to some of the bigger hits from that album, The Welcome to the Jungle, The Paradise City, uh, The Sweet Child of Mine. And I remember as a little kid thinking to myself, I don't know what this is, and I don't even know how to get my hands on whatever this is, but I love it. And that to me was like one of the first probably seminal moments for me when it came to music. About four years later, I think about 1994, I was in my friend's uncle's car and he was a little bit of an older guy and he had played for me Iron Man by Black Sabbath. He was a big Black Sabbath fan. And again, at the time, I had no idea what it was. I mean, the album had come out 20 years prior, but I heard Iron Man and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I have to hear more of it. And there was this pattern where I would hear these things. And eventually, obviously, as I got older, I kind of figured out what these things are. The third moment to me was when we were in our friend's Ryan's room and he all of a sudden starts playing Black Diamond while the album is playing in the background. And I was absolutely blown away. And that really just shaped my taste for the next, you know, 23 years. And even to this day, Black Diamond, the song is what I credit for helping me get into this genre. And I'm just happy that I get to talk about it now because that 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 album, I should say that song was really like a gateway drug for me. You know, they talk about certain drugs being gateway drugs. Black Diamond was my gateway drug into power metal and even progressive metal. So I, I, I'm, I'm glad we're going there. But it, but to your point, Fourth Dimension represents a real turning point for the band because the, this was their fourth album, not surprisingly, but the first three have such a different feel for it. Not only because Timo Tolki is, is singing as opposed to um, Timo Coltipelto, but it, it, it was really just because the way that they were writing songs or the, the way that Timo wrote his songs, they were very, very different than what would ultimately become Fourth Dimension and, the, and basically every album that followed. Yeah, it was it was definitely more of a um more of like a a straight power metal kind of sound and I think that with Fourth Dimension it was kind of like Timo Tolki wanting to go in a more classical neoclassical style direction which I mean a song like Twilight Symphony you could definitely hear oh, that that's sure. that's where they're headed. I think I read somewhere that that was the first uh the first Stradivarius song to have like a real orchestra playing in it, which I thought was interesting. And that would go on to be just like a signature part of their sound. But at the time, you know, if you go back and you listen to albums like Twilight Time or, or Dream Space, you know, it, it's more just kind of, uh, kind of just straight up, like, you know, European power metal, uh, you know, really good stuff, but um, not quite at that, that kind of symphonic way that, that they would go. And I mean, obviously, you know, the, the fact that Timo Tolki would um, give up the reins as a vocalist to, to, to another Timo, Timo Cotapelto, um, that I think turned out to be such a, a brilliant move. As much as I enjoy Timo Tolki's vocals, I mean, it's almost kind of like, like comparing when Michael Kisk replaced Kai Hansen in, in Halloween, where, you know, Timo Tolki's vocals, you know, were, were fine, but I mean, Timo Coltipelto was just an incredible breath of fresh air as the replacement. I mean, he fit in perfectly. And it also gave Timo Tolki, much like it gave Kai Hansen, um, 
a chance to just focus on playing his guitar and writing tracks. And I think it was the the right move, you know, to for you know Timo Tolki to not have so much on his plate and to give it the job to somebody who I think was a much more classically trained vocalist and somebody who sounded a lot more. I don't know if professional would be the word, but just um, a lot more smooth, I would say. Yeah, he, he much more powerful vocalist. And honestly, Tolkien, I think, gets a little bit of a bad rap. I don't think his, his vocals were bad by any means. I just don't think they were very special. I think there's some excellent tracks on those first three discs. Um, but I, I think that they kind of get lost because Tolkien is a little... Uh, vanilla, if you will. It's almost like, uh, you know, when we spoke about Iron Maiden, we were talking about, um, you know, when Bruce Dickinson t- t- took over, it was just like putting a, putting the band in a whole new stratosphere, no pun intended, just because of the uh, his vocal abilities on top of music that kind of was already heard on Killers. Like I said, when you hear him sing the Killers tracks, you realize how, how awesome a vocalist he is. And, and that's no slight against, you know... Um, what came before, obviously, same here, but you, you just, you see how the progression, uh, really just took them to the next level. And I, I think that if Colt DePelto hadn't joined the band, I don't think that they would have reached the heights that they ever reached. But the, the way that the tracks on this album are constructed, it's really in the same vein as the first three discs. Um, better, you know, obviously better production and obviously, um, a little, a little bit more keyboard heavy, but for the most part, the, the songs really sound like the the, the old tracks. Uh, so much so that there's a whole slew of demos, which I think you had sent me probably about a year or two ago, that from this album where you can actually hear Tolkien sing a whole bunch of tracks um, from this album. And although the production on those demos is uh, a little shoddy to say the least, you really get a feel for for him singing songs like "Against the Wind" and "Galaxies." Uh, and Twilight Symphony, it's really, really interesting stuff. And it kind of just shows you that added element that Cote Pelto brought to the band on the actual album. Yeah, I agree. I feel like, like, um, musically, the, I feel like Dream Space, which was the album that preceded this one, almost kind of went, um, in a more traditional heavy metal sort of way. Whereas, when you go back to their second album, Twilight Time, there's there's songs um, like Out of the Shadows and uh, and the Hands of Time, which are like these uh, just like really very like these power metal anthems. There's just like I feel like maybe on Dream Space they they didn't do that quite as much. Maybe Wings of Tomorrow might have been one where and Hold On to Your Dream, but. Um, you know, th- that album had 14 tracks on it and a lot of them were kind of like a mid, you know, a little bit mid tempo, like uh, this, like the, the title track itself, Dream Space. And I feel like, um, the band w- with songs like Distant Skies and, and, uh, you know, We Hold the Key and Twilight Symphony and Against the Wind, um, they went back to like these real banger type tracks, these just power metal, like, um, like anthemic songs and and i just you know when i first heard distant skies that song like hit me like a ton of bricks and and you know the other tracks that i just mentioned i think are are right up there with that um and, and i think that and and i can't tell if the production is that much better or it just sounds so much better with colt apelto at the helm instead of tolkien just because of his you know his vocals are just so much cleaner um but I just think overall, this is just the overall is a better sounding album than than the previous output. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think of the first three, Twilight Time was always my favorite disc of the of, of the first trilogy, if you will. I think that this album sonically does sound markedly better. But I think that when you, by the time they got to episode and certainly by the time they got to visions, they had perfected their sound. And it's kind of the sound that they have really ever since, uh, in, in terms of just the quality of, of, of the sound. Uh, like, like we said, this is a transitional album in many ways. And, you know, as I, as I went back to it, I, it, it, for some reason in my head, even though I've listened to this album, countless times i always kind of assumed it was a four song album and by that i mean there were some good tracks throughout but against the wind distant skies galaxies the first three tracks and then the last full track twilight symphony kind of bookended this album for me at least my memory of it from like the last time i heard it which was before 2010 easily just because I haven't played it straight through what struck out or really stuck out to me this time around was that there's some really a fantastic songs in the middle of this disc which I completely completely ignored or I should say just never really struck a chord with me um years ago and by, and I just want to point out three in particular the instrumental Stradivarius the self-titled track unbelievable instrumental song that um, I, I had just never paid attention to Lord of the Wasteland, which might be one of their most underrated tracks ever. I don't even know if they've ever touched the thing live. And, and this, and, and the track that I think I'll, I'll even make it my track of the week because I just absolutely couldn't believe how phenomenal this song was uh, this time around. We hold the key. That to me is maybe one of their best songs ever made. And I don't even think I realized it until now, which is probably my millionth and one listen to the album. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because um, I I'm not even I don't think I pick I, I've yet to pick the song of the week because the, this album is so strong. But we hold the key was one of the ones I was definitely thinking about because um, and maybe like what like you said maybe we didn't pay attention to it enough when we were younger. But holy crap, that song is unreal! Like it, it is. is the way that it opens up. It's so epic, and 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 there's uh, to me there's so much more keyboards going on on this album than in previous strata, and it it just kind of opens the door for you know Jens Johansson to join the band after this album is released because I mean you listen like you said you listen to that instrumental track Stradivarius and you'd think Jens was already in the band based on a track like that because that's really a, a it harkens back to when Jens was in, you know, Ingve Malmsteen's band and it was that guitar keyboard, just, you know, back and forth. And, and that, I think this is the album where Stradivarius kind of becomes a band that's defined by keys and guitar. Um, yeah. It, which, which makes them kind of unique, uh, at least at the time in terms of power metal, because Halloween wasn't doing that. Blind Guardian certainly wasn't doing that. Uh, Angra, 
wasn't really doing that, whereas it becomes kind of a staple as part of their sound on virtually every song. And, and I'm happy that you mentioned the fact that Yen Johansson was not in the band at this time. You know, we, I talked, we talked about Black Diamond earlier. A track like that is such a, a, a key part of their sound with, with, the, with just the keyboard intro that Jens, uh, Jens does on a track like that, or even other songs on Dream, uh, on, on Destiny and, and, and everything that's come after it. The one thing I would say is even though there are touches of it, like in a song like Stradivarius, the one thing this album kind of lacked for me was Jens Johansson. And that's, I think, part of the reason why I always had held episode envisions in higher regard in terms of the second trilogy for Stradivarius. I've always enjoyed this album. And I think that the best songs on the album, I would put up against any Stradivarius song. But conversely, I I have to ding the album for a couple of reasons. A, I think it lacks Jens's both songwriting, solos, and, and kind of kind of his standout performance. And number two, it, the album contains what I can only say is one of the worst songs ever written. And by that, I don't <laughs> think it's any surprise. In fact, this particular track that I'm about to mention is so bad. And when I say bad, I mean so bad that I've actually, I'm going to make a vow to you and everyone that's listening right now. I will never listen to this track again. I cannot get through it. The first time I listened to this disc this week, I actually had to skip it because I just, I, I was about a minute into the song and I couldn't take it anymore. The next time I listened to the album, I, I forced myself, I, I, I forced myself to get through it. And that's when I'm, that's when I decided to make this vow to you and everybody else. 030366 is probably the worst song ever written. Happy birthday, Timo. Yeah, if, if this was the payback for Anthrax, <laughs> I apologize. Don't ever make me listen to that song again. And 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 if you, if they just took it out of the album, I would say the album is darn near perfect. Maybe not up to snuff with some of their other material, but certainly close. That song is god awful. I'll tell you what, the one thing it does do is it makes Nightfall, it makes you think Nightfall might be the greatest song you've ever heard. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> that was the one song I don't think we've really talked about. I don't think it's a great song, but you're so happy to have, they, they, they were so smart to put probably the second worst song on the album immediately after the worst song ever made, that it makes Nightfall seem like uh, Holy Diver. I mean, it's like that, it, it, it's crazy, like absolutely insane to me. Um, I don't particularly love Nightfall either. I think that's one of the other weaker tracks on the album. But when you compare the two, it's like it's like night and day. No kidding. And I'll say this: there's they, they kind of got something going on here, almost like the new Secret Sphere album that I had mentioned earlier. You have tracks like Against the Wind and Distant Skies, which are pure power metal classic, you know, tracks. You've got the the, the, the neoclassical stuff with a song like Twilight Symphony, and then you listen to a song like Winter. Winter might as well be a doom metal track with just the slow plottingness of it. And I think it's perfectly fitting for for the track and for where the band is from in Finland and everything. But to me, it's almost like a a, a power metalized doom track. It's kind of weird, but it fits. I I See, I I really like Nightfall. And I think it's for that same reason is that it's it's kind of like a dreary kind of like uh, almost like, yeah, I kind of get like your black metal 
reference there. Like, I like that this album isn't just a one note kind of sound. I know, I mean, zero three zero three six six is not a not a good song. I don't care for it either. Um, it's a little something different, I guess. But I mean, it doesn't need to be here. By the way, for those who don't know, three three six six is uh, Timo Tolki's birthday, um, March third, nineteen sixty six, which I found out not too long ago. Um, that does not make me like the song anymore. <laughs> it does. I mean, it, very interesting factoid. It does not redeem the song for me or anybody else. Yeah, but, Listen, but if I'm those... wrong, if there's somebody out there that listens to that track and tells me that it's one of their favorites, hit me up. I will. You know, I, I, I'm just curious to see if there's anyone out, anyone out there that yeah, likes. We'll that come. Track. We'll come to your house and slap you. Um, yeah, I, I mean, really. But, but I think that winter and nightfall. Um, are like perfectly placed on the album because they kind of slow things down because all the other songs are, are really quite, uh, quite speedy. Like galaxies maybe is a little bit more mid tempo, but just the way that it's the way that it's composed, it's like, it's really like, um, uh, anthemic, like almost like a mark, like a, like a, a triumphant March, um, that song, I think, is is maybe one of the most underrated Stradivarius songs of all time. And um, one of the reasons why I and I'm going to tell the story in a bit, but one of the reasons why I wanted to buy this album so badly. But um, I like that Nightfall kind of slows things down before We Hold the Key comes in with this bombastic opening and just and um, and then there's like there's a part towards the end of We Hold the Key where it's like the slow guitar part. And oh my God, it reminded me so much of um, uh, Keeper era Halloween. Um, it, it's like, it needs to be said, Timo Tolki is an absolute wizard at the, uh, at the guitar. And uh, he, he it's, he's on full display here. Um, I will, I will disagree with you about um, this album falling short of episode or visions of, because of, Jens Johansson not being on it because um, Jens Johansson doesn't actually write any songs on episode or vision. So I think really it's just him, you know, kind of adding his keyboard flair to some of the songs. But I think it's really Timo Tolki's compositions that are on. I mean, I don't. Like, I think that there's the so few solos. I think he gets the credit for. Sure, sure. Mistaken. And there's and just so really few. There's so few songs like while Timo Tolki was part of Stradivarius, there's so few songs that were not written by him. I mean, he was such a, a powerhouse songwriter. And then I would, I would argue that he hit a complete wall, um, you know, somewhere around the elements era, but um, that maybe is a conversation for later, but um, I mean, he, right, right. If you talk about fourth dimension episode visions, destiny, and even infinite. I mean, this guy, he's just like churning out incredible song after incredible song. I mean, I mean, who has, uh, on their resume, like such a streak of incredible songwriting, uh, like Timo Tolki was just, and, and this is to me like the beginning of like the, the classic era of Stradivarius is, is really like fourth dimension through destiny or even infinite. Like it, it's just that mid to late nineties Stradivarius era was just so epic. Like I, I, it's, it's really incredible. And this to me was the beginning of it. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I definitely think this is when he begins really hitting his stride as a songwriter. And, and even, quite frankly, even his guitar chops uh, in, in certain ways are better on this album and continue to evolve. And, and he's just fantastic at what he does. And I agree with you. Album after album after album, all the way up through Infinite, are are, are very good, if not better, uh, at, a, at a bare minimum. Some of which is some of the best power metal you will ever hear. And, and then I don't really quite understand what happens but they come out uh you, you know w- with the exception of the with the self-titled album which i just literally i i can't listen to because i i just find it that impossible to get through uh er- everything else he's touched has been gold but then i think he hit like this writer's block and it's funny because he's 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 penned a lot of albums since then under different monikers his solo band and 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 other other things and Nothing had the staying power that a, that an album like Fourth Dimension or Episode or Visions had with me, and, and I don't quite know why because it's almost as if he went back to the the well with the formula that he knew and kind of perfected. That's what I want to hear, and unfortunately, I think those days are just gone. Um, but you know, I, I look back on some of this stuff so fondly that it that it almost doesn't matter because. Uh, an, an album like Episode or an album like Visions, and and this maybe one step down for me, but it's right there with some of the best Euro power metal that has ever been recorded. So, so I'm looking through, and you, this is incredible to me. I, I didn't even think it was it was like this absurd how much songwriting credit goes to Timo Tolki, but um, Timo Tolki wrote from Fourth Dimension to Infinite, wrote every song except for three. Um, not necessarily lyrics, but wrote the music, has songwriting credit uh, for all but three songs. Yenzio Hansen wrote Glory of the World on Infinite. Uh, Timo Tolki wrote all of Destiny, all of Visions, and Timo Cotipelto wrote un- uh, Uncertainty on episode and uh, which is a great song in its own yeah. right and, and, and Tolkien wrote every song on this album fourth dimension as well yeah I, I didn't realize i knew i knew that he had his thumb all over this and obviously he left the band on kind of unceremonious terms uh in and around 2006 2007 uh what's almost amazing to me is that since then the band has recorded four albums and they are all in this kind of style, even though he wasn't part of the band and obviously writing songs for them. Polaris, Elysium, Nemesis, Eternal, all those albums are kind of in this vein. And, and my personal favorite, Nemesis, kind of like my favorite of the good wave. Too. Yeah, yeah it, that album could have been recorded after Destiny, and I don't think anybody would have been any would have known any better. I think the fact that Jens stayed in the band and Timo Cotipelto remained the vocalist. And that they brought in somebody like, uh, you know, Lori Pora and, um, is it uh, Matthias Kapainen? Um, I, I think that they, they were Stradivarius fans and they wanted to just continue making Stradivarius music. And, um, I believe Jorg Michael stayed with the band, um, for a good bit. Um, I think he eventually retired a few years ago, um, and and he would join the band after fourth dimension and we'll go into that um actually um still this is the last album to feature uh Antti Ikonen the key on keyboards and Tuomo Lasila 
who was the drummer, and they were both uh, founding members of Stradivarius. Um, they were both on all of the albums up until this point, and they would leave the band uh, because they didn't agree with the direction that Timo Tolki was going in. And I, I mean, you know, it, it reminds me of uh, what's the, the guy who left the Beatles. Uh, <laughs> maybe not that quite that, that epic, but I mean, like, like, Oh, <laughs> you don't like, Harrison. yeah, you don't like, you don't like a direction that Stradivarius is going. Oh, we'll see you later. And well, also like when uh, Neil Peart, you know, was on Rush's second album and then never left the band, but I believe he wasn't on the first one, and I kind of feel sorry for that guy because yeah, that that guy who who nobody knows his name, name right? <laughs> so um, Yari uh, Yari uh, Kainalainen, who um, is a uh, bass player for Master Plan nowadays, he had joined the band um, previously. Uh, he was on the Dream Space album, and he would continue on with the band through the nineties. And then after this album, uh, Timo, I'm sorry, Jens Johansson would come in as the new keyboard player and Jorg Michael would come in as the new drummer. And that lineup uh, stayed together for a few albums. Um, I think other than Stradivarius's current lineup, it might be their most consistent lineup. Um, and I think that the the consistency of the the albums themselves kind of lends to, to that. Um, I did want to tell the story about... Uh, being a kid and going out to uh, Montauk for uh, a few days during the summer. And um, my, you know, Mike uh, had come on the trip with me and he had this CD before I did. And, and so I borrowed it from him and was, and I just remember listening to it on the beach and I'll never forget hearing galaxies for the first time and just being absolutely blown away by that song and thinking to myself, like, how do I not own this album? Like, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's funny because it's such a simple song, but it is so catchy and it sticks in your head forever because it's one of those things. Like I could instantaneously pick it out. Like right away, you know, I can name that song in two notes. It, it is just so simple, but so catchy. Yeah, it's got yeah. Um, you know, Nops had texted me because uh, he want he wanted to give the album a listen prior to us reviewing it, and he he mentioned it too. He was like, "I love how it it has kind of like that '80s kind of keyboard vibe to it, and and it probably sounds so dated nowadays, but like to me, it just." it's just such a fixture in my mind of, of such a great song that I absolutely love. And it, it takes me back to that time of being like 16, 17 years old. Um, I mean, I, I feel like we've kind of spot put a spotlight on every track, good or bad. Um, you had mentioned Lord of the Wasteland earlier. I think that is another song that is definitely underrated. Like you said, um, really good, like fast, speedy power metal. Um, Again, we hold the key. Like, if you haven't listened to this album in a while, and Justin is going to post this because it's his track of the week, go back and listen to this song. It's so good. Um, and Twilight Symphony is just like this, this really like to me represents like the beginning. Like, this is where Jens Johansson is just going to fit in so perfectly. And it's kind of well, you know, well placed as like the last full length track on the album. And then, and then Jens, you know, joins the band with, with the beginning of episode. It's kind of fitting in that regard, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, There's a short uh, instrumental track called call the wilderness that, that ends the album. Um, Just kind of puts a little bit of a, of a, of a, a bookend on the entire experience. But, um, 
you know, zero three zero three six six. Notwithstanding, this album is 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 pretty darn fantastic. Would, so enough enough avoiding the question. What is your track of the week? I know I know that you haven't decided yet, and I'm sure that you could go in any number of directions. But uh, pick one. Yeah, you know, I probably would have chosen "We Hold the Key" had you not. But um, rather than agree with you, being that it's it's a virtual tie for me, uh, I'm just going to go with "Galaxies" uh, as my track of the week. And honestly, like spin the wheel, like any of these really are deserving uh, of being track of the week, minus the one that we mentioned once or twice. But um, yeah, I mean, I think "Galaxies" just for me just has just a little bit of a step ahead of everything else just because of the nostalgia factor and just how how catchy it is and it's almost like you kind of close your eyes and picture yourself like marching off or maybe not marching off to war as much as like marching home from war like you already won the battle and uh it's it's cool You know, I was noticing too that like um, we hold the key. Like, like lyrically, you can see like Stradivarius. If I think of a song like Paradise on the Visions album, where it feels like they they do sing quite a bit about um, you know the environment and and nature and preserving nature and things of that things of yeah, that. Yeah, that's kind of that nature. No pun intended. Throughout. Yeah, it's kind of been a staple throughout their whole career, really. I think they have a bunch of songs like that. Um, I know for a fact that there are songs like, you know, called Gaia that they obviously were writing about, you know, certain things about the environment as well. And, um, you know, it's, it's songs, other songs on Infinite. It's, it's, this is not an uncommon thing for them. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, a nice change of pace from the, uh, you know, from some of the, you know, the dragons and the bards that Blind Guardian are, are, are sometimes singing about. And, and that's one of the things I always appreciated about them. You, you look at a song like Forever and it's, you know, a, a fantastic ballad on the episode album, but it's kind of simple, but well-placed lyrics, uh, you know, for, for a power metal band, I would say. Yeah, the lyrics feel more serious and less like fanciful, I guess, or, or less fantasy oriented. Yeah, I would agree with that. I so with um, that. I think that that's kind of a nice draw as well. They almost feel like almost like a more serious finished version of, of a Halloween or, or, or what have you. Um, and I've, I've read an interesting thing too, that this is the last time Stradivarius would have an all finished lineup on an album, which huh, I thought I didn't was realize that, but I guess that makes sense with, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Cause Jens is Swedish. So once, you know, <laughs> once he joins the band and he's still in the band now, that would be um, the end of that. Yeah. But, uh, so- but Timo Cotipelto is the only, uh, the only person on this album who is still in Stradivarius to this day. And by the way, live, the guy sounds as good as he ever did, even though it's 26 years later, which is amazing considering some of the notes that he hits on this album. Yeah. I also am reminded, I keep thinking of all these different talking points, but um, Timo Tolki had talked about uh, getting back together with uh, Tuomo La Sila and uh, Auntie Ikenen to make a, a re-recordings of some of the songs that they performed on these first four Stradivarius albums and it doesn't look like, I mean, a lot of things that Timo Tolki, 
you know, says he wants to do sometimes don't always come to, to fruition. Shout out to Miss Keg. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, I mean, um, I, I was excited about that when it was announced. I was like, oh, that's, that could be really kind of cool. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, we, Timo Tolki, um, you know, suffers from a lot of, uh, mental health issues and, and, um, I just wish him all the best and hope that, you know, he stays healthy. And, um, he's, I, I thought it was a pretty magnanimous thing for him to do to basically give away his band to the remaining members and let them continue the, the Stradivarius name without, you know, being, uh, really petty about it and, and kind of like just hold it for ransom. And, 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 you know, based on some of the stuff that he recorded, I mean, maybe the Stradivarius name would have been sullied a little bit had it just become a Timo Tolki, you know, a Timo Tolki joint, if you will, for <laughs> the next 20 years or what, however long it's been. So, yeah, um, I, I agree. I, I, I echo those sentiments. I, I want to ask one more question before we put a bow on this with our ratings. Is the, you know, for an album that obviously you hold in your heart because of the nostalgia for many reasons and, and the fact that it's just a damn good album. Is it better than you remember it? Is it not as good as you remember it? Or is it pretty much as awesome as you remembered it? It's, I would say it's better than I remember it because songs like Lord of the Wasteland and Nightfall and We Hold the Key are just so much better than I remember them being. And it's funny, I'll, I'll tell you something and, and you could tell me if you feel similar, but this kind of popped into my head when I was listening to this this week. And it's like, I was thinking to myself that in this, time where there's no iTunes and there's no like there really is no like digital music like we're buying CDs I mean these 11 songs were 11 of the maybe what like 200 300 songs that we had available to us at any given time so like I think it was easier to cast aside the songs that weren't as memorable back then because you know, you were, you know, there was only so much to listen to. So, you know, a song like Against the Wind, I think, has so much more just it, it, it hits you so much harder because there's less songs to listen to. And as time goes on, you remember those songs that really hit you like Distant Skies and Against the Wind and Galaxies and Twilight Symphony. And you kind of songs like these like songs that fill out the rest of the album, they kind of fall by the wayside in your mind. And you go back and and you listen to them again. And um, same thing happened to me when we listened to uh, the um, the Within Temptation album, uh, Mother Earth. Uh, it, you know, it's kind of like you remember Mother Earth and 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 Ice Queen and and Deceiver Fools, and you forget about you know Dark Wings and and the Promise and all that. And it, the same with this. So yeah, that's a kind of a long winded answer to your question, but I, I think that. I mean, I I, ne- I remember never liking zero three zero three six six, so that kind of stayed the same. But um, winter, Lord of the Wasteland, Nightfall, We Hold the Key, those are like four tracks where I was like, you know, damn, like these songs are almost almost as good, if not as good, as um, everything else on this album. Yeah, that the the the, the classic stuff really I, I enjoyed just as much, but it was kind of those mid mid card songs that really I, I think I appreciated a lot more this time and I probably like the album more as a result. 
I'll just say one last thing. I think the cover art is terrible, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, I'll give them a pass. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy they changed the logo and I don't know what the floating pyramids are, but you know, whatever, more power to you. The songs are good and that's all that matters. What do you rate the album on a scale of one to 10? Well, honestly, I was like, I feel like a 9.5 is too high, but a 9.0 is too low. So I'm going to give it a 9.25. Um, it's, I feel like honestly, zero three zero three six six knocks it down a peg, um, and, and I don't think it's I don't think it would have been a perfect album even without zero three zero three six six. But it's it's damn good, and I it might be my favorite Stradivarius album. Uh, it depends on the day you ask, I guess. But um, I, I yeah, I, I think I think I, I can safely give it a 9.25 and, and be pretty happy with that. How about you? Nice. I, 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 I kind of went back and forth with this. I think it's somewhere between an eight and a half and a nine. I'm probably going to give it an eight and a half, but it's the reason I give it the eight and a half and not the nine is just because again, I know what's about to come. And I think it's hard for me to say that three albums in a row are, are better but they are, in my opinion, I enjoy the next three albums just a little bit more. Um, I think it's just a little bit more polished. And I think the songwriting is just a touch better. Um, and, and I wouldn't say that they're all tens. I don't think Destiny is a 10, but it's, it's that to me might be a nine. So that's why I'm, I'm going to give this an, a, a, a strong eight and a half. Yeah, that's, that's definitely fair. I, I almost feel like in retrospect, like I, I might have wanted to actually like listen to episode and visions and destiny and uh, it it's just oh my god these, these songs these albums are just so good like and they hold up too which i think yeah. is the key um but you know what you, you you talked about um you know wanting to listen to some other albums why don't we why don't we set the table for what we have going on um in the next two weeks i have an album or I should say I have two albums picked out for next week. I'm still oscillating between the two. So before I pick next week's album, why don't you give everyone a, a heads up as to what we're doing for uh, the April 5th show, the first week of April by request. Oh yeah. I'm, I am super pumped about this. And this was something that I kind of uh, threw to you um, a couple of weeks ago and you, you were, um, you were, you thought it was a good idea. And what, what kind of brought it about was that, um, two people, two friends of ours who both listen to the show regularly and uh, big shout outs to Nick and Amy. Love you guys. Um, they had both mentioned a band and um, a band that I knew we would definitely get to. And, uh, and the, the funny thing is, is that they chose different albums and rather than choose one over the other, I thought being that the band doesn't have a, a huge library, I thought it would be a good chance to, to for our first time to kind of do like a deep dive into the history of this band, talk about all of their releases of which there are six and just kind of, uh, you know, kind of tell their story and give, uh, you know, some anecdotes about our fandom and, um, and how we feel about the, the six albums. And that band is the, uh, the Pennsylvania-based uh, prog metal band Shadow Gallery. Um, and they're maybe not the most popular or well-known band of a lot of the bands that we've talked about. But, I mean, I'm a huge fan. I think that they're phenomenal. Um, when I uh, 
started to get Amy into more metal, like they were one of the first bands that she actually glommed onto, which is surprising because she's not the biggest prog metal fan in the world. They're but. so accessible. And I think that one of the things we'll get into is I don't even really consider them, you know, having gone back and listened to some of this stuff, a lot of their stuff isn't even metal. It's more of like, you know, kind of 70s prog rock with like a real Kansas vibe to it. Um, but the, the the hooks that they write with, with, with some of these songs, the hooks just make the songs pop for you. Um, but again, that's a story for another day. I, I, I look forward to that immensely. And I, always, I also thought it was ironic that we got two requests for, for such a kind of obscure band. And then I think it was a great idea to just put it all together and kind of do a career retrospective episode, which is obviously what we'll be doing um, the first week in April. So I look forward to that. I should also note, we've gotten a ton of requests um, as of late and, and keep them coming. We appreciate that. And we may even wind up doing two a month at some point just to uh, catch up with the backlog. But we have a list going. Going, um, and we will yeah, get. If you, leave, if you leave us, if you leave us a good review, we might push your uh, your choice up the up the, the packing order. Also, also, also a very good point. So keep that coming because it helps other people find the show. Um, but before we get to Shadow Gallery in two weeks, we have next week's show. And as I said, I I, I had debated between two albums, and I'm actually I just, going. I to, want you to know that I'm sorry to get scared of your announcement. No, I'm, I'm gonna I'm I, I, I'm gonna do things a little bit differently this week, and I haven't even told you that this is what we're going to do. But I have two albums that are both um, interesting in their own way. But I want to let you decide. So I'm gonna let you pick from these two, and admittedly, we'll probably get to the other one at, at some point. My first instinct was to go back to 1987 because I struck out so badly the last time. <laughs> um, and I wanted to do something a little bit different. And I wanted to go with one of my absolute favorite hair metal bands. And I wanted to do Dawkins Back for the Attack, um, of which I don't think you've heard the album, but I think you will recognize at least one or two songs off of it, including Kiss of Death, um, which Vandenplas uh, had covered. That was option one. And then option two was more of a timely release because we're celebrating the 20th anniversary this month of Ark's Burn the Sun, which is one of my all-time favorite prog metal discs um, featuring Yorn Land and a, and a whole slew of other all-stars. Um, but I'll let you choose. Do you have a preference for next week? Oh, that's, a, that's kind of a tough call, actually, because um, I'm more familiar with the Ark album, but the songs that I do know from the Dokken album I really like. Let's do Dokken. Let's. I love it. I love it. Let's do that. I have a feeling that Yorn is going to get an, uh, his own episode uh, at some point. At some point, we definitely will do um, some ARC because I just happen to think they may be the most underrated band of all time. Um, but next week, we'll uh, come back for the attack with some with some Dokken, which is uh, a nice change of pace. And hopefully, I can redeem myself uh, and the 1987 crowd. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you might have needed to like ask for keeper part one to, to get your, <laughs> your cred back with me. But um, it, it's so weird. I, it, you know, that feeling you get, like you forgot something. Like I, I know I just like yammered on a ton about fourth dimension and I just can't, <laughs> I feel like there, there's more to talk about. I'm sure there's not, but I mean, I, I just, Oh my God. I, I'm, I'm glad that it popped up. So uh, shout out to Mike Johnson for, um, just sharing Stradivarius's post and just kind of getting the gears turning in my head. I, I, it was such a, I only listened to the album twice this week. It was all I really needed to to hear to just, just remind me of how much I, I like this. So um, yeah, I, I just, it's almost like I, 
it's almost like I'm sad that we have to stop talking about it. <laughs> well, if, if, if anything comes to you, obviously we can open up next week with it. Uh, and I have a feeling, like I said, it's not the end of Stradivarius. It's uh, just just the beginning. So um, great choice. Thank you. Uh, thank you for, uh, for, for choosing it. And I look forward to doing some docking next week. So um, with that, we'll put a bow on it. We hope you enjoyed this week. And we'll, uh, we'll be back next week with some docking. All right. Sounds good, buddy. Take it easy. All right. Take care. Thank you.